Hello, and welcome to Theme Park School, a themed experience educational podcast. One of the wordier podcast titles, if you ask me. This is episode four of the podcast. I think I said this already, but there's like some percentage. It's like, you know, most podcasts don't make it past episode one. And then it's like, most podcasts don't make it past episode two. But then the big number is nobody makes it past three. Three is like the biggest hurdle that you have to pass. And this is episode four. So we did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So tonight I'm joined by the final two. I, people are probably like, man, if I have to hear one more UCF person talk on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> I qualified it last time. I said, this is essentially like season one. Like if you divided it up by season, like you would a TV show. Season one is discussing the UCF themed experience MFA with the inaugural class students. And uh, the class that we're in this semester, immerse. Oh my God, I already forgot the name. Of the, what is this class called? Immersive Experience Studio. Yeah, yeah. Boom, nailed it. Half the other classes, I like start to talk about. And I'm like, oh, what is that class called? Yep, Immersive Experience <laughs> Studio. So tonight we have the final two students in Immersive Experience Studio. I'm joined tonight by Lynn Leffel and Amy Avalos. Hey, hey. Yeah. Hello. Two more women. Shout out to women. I already kind of did this gimmick on episode two. It was <laughs> like okay. the female-centric episode. But yeah, feel free to talk about that if you guys want to. Shout out to women um, in the industry. So, Lynn, tell me about yourself. Tell us right. about yourself. Okay. Well, I relocated here from Texas last summer to start the program. Moved the, moved the whole family, me, my husband, two kids, two dogs, across the country. <laughs> All the way from Dallas, Frisco, Texas specifically, to join this program because this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, Yeah, what else do you want to know? So this, what is like the impetus for joining this program? Like what is your end goal, I should say? Okay, well, I went to- And like expertise, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, I got my undergraduate degree at Texas Tech University in Lubbock. I emphasized in scenic design through the theater program. Go Red 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 Raiders. Raiders. (laughs) My mom hates me because I have like the least amount of school spirit possible. Yeah. Um, She bought me this lovely Texas Tech mouse pad like two weeks ago because she thinks it's going to like override the UCF stuff. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of school spirit. (laughs) I'm a big Texas Rangers baseball fan. That's that's my sports affiliation. Yeah. Um, But I wanted I, I pursued scenic design because at the time this was in the mid to early 2000s. There wasn't really a pathway themed experience or no, theme park no, no. design and one of the ones that I was told about was technical theater mm-hmm. it was that or architecture or like some engineering programs and I am the worst at math <laughs> like math and I it's my Achilles heel yeah. and if I was like held at gunpoint and told to do like some quadratic equation I would just give up because I can't do it. Shop math, I'm fine. Like, if you need me to, to yeah. estimate some two-by-four cuts for you, I gotcha. But anything beyond that, not so much. So I went through scenic design. I did some freelance work a little bit in the Dallas area. And then I started teaching high school technical theater. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I taught my students 
theme park design. Like yeah. we would end the year with a 12 week unit on designing an attraction for a theme park. Which would have blown my mind, by the way. You could have been in my class. You're <laughs> only like 20 miles away over in South Lake. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a bunch of my kids wound up, they would go to state for scenic design. They were getting, you know, scholarships for scenic and costume and stage management across the country. And they kept telling me, they're like, why aren't you doing what you want to do? Because yeah. they could tell, like, my favorite parts of teaching were our productions. Classroom stuff was not my thing. I could do it. I did it happily. It was awesome. But building and designing and creating with that group of kids was where my heart was. Mm-hmm. So they kept asking me why I wasn't doing it. And then this program came along, and my husband showed it to me on LinkedIn. He's like, <laughs> you have to do this. And so I did, and here I am. So now we've... Transition to the Florida life, which I always wanted to do anyways. <laughs> yeah, so, right. There you go. I, I I guess end game, I'd love to be a producer or a creative director. So I love seeing a project from iteration through conceptualization and construction and then seeing it open. So I also love leading people. So Yeah. It's funny. My yeah. my tech theater teacher was a theme park performer. <laughs> See, there you go. So, and look where I ended up. Yep. It's funny because I was in a district of a million high schools. Yeah. And I was one of two technical directors that was a legitimate technical director, not just like I'm a theater teacher and I got hired to be the technical director because that's a position that was yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. So it was awesome. I got I got field lots of questions and help with lots of shows that weren't at my own campus. Yeah. My teachers were uh, Catwoman and Penguin at Six Flags <laughs> in the Batman stunt show. That's amazing. And then I, I remember I was thinking like, hmm, Performing at a theme park. That that would be cool. And then I just ended up doing it. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, Amy. <laughs> Hi, my name is Amy Avalos, and I am in the themed experiences program as yes, well. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, I have a varied background. I originally started out in photography years ago and changed into graphic design and then uh, went and got a AA in studio art and I have a bachelor's in ad PR and a bachelor's in interior design and then a master's in hospitality and tourism so by now my husband is ready to kill me Um, but I eventually started working at Nassau, uh, and just fell in love with working with theme design and, uh, went from there to Pandora and then on to Universal with Nintendo and then on to a few other projects. But, um, uh, you know, same with Lynn, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of options available for themed, you know, design programs and, you know, I went back to school and, and worked in the interior design uh, degree with the intent of doing themed projects. And even when I first went and enrolled, I talked to the program advisor and said, yeah, this is what I'm interested in getting into. And she's like, yeah, you know, as long as the program, uh, you know, for the project, you know, you can, you know, finagle it to meet theme design, then that's great. And so I did. I, I'm putting, you know, Jurassic Park dinosaurs into hotel lobbies and <laughs> monsters into a, a boutique hotel and all of my interior design teachers are looking at me like I'm absolutely crazy <laughs> and just saying okay do what you're gonna do because we don't know what you're doing so <laughs> um, but yeah then I saw that this program was open and enrolled right away or you know applied right away and 
got in to be part of the great first class. Yeah. It's funny, like, Lynn, you probably had the same experience too. Like when you're in, <laughs> it's funny, it's like when you're in a non-themed entertainment program, it's like as if this isn't <laughs> like one of two. <laughs> when you're in college in general and you're interested in this stuff or anything that's like hyper-specified like this, even when I was in a theme park management it was like hospitality management, theme park management track, even when I was getting that as my undergraduate degree. And I would do theme park projects in every single class that I was in. People <laughs> were like, bro, give it up. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> we're doing hotels and restaurants and stuff. But yeah, it's funny that even like in the interior design degree, and I'm sure you were doing stuff in your undergraduate too, in that vein, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I lucked out. I had amazing <laughs> professors at Tech. Um, the school is great. I've just never been a big school spirit person, so there's that. But I had great professors who didn't really understand what I wanted to do, mm -hmm. but encouraged me to, to look at set design from a different lens. Yeah. Um, so, like, my, grad, my, my undergrad final capstone project, my three professors had me do a composite design for Into the Woods, and they told me to treat it like it was going to be a theme park instead of like it was going to be a stage yeah i had to put it on a stage but they wanted me to create more of an environment than it just being a piece of scenery that people are seeing from mm -hmm. from one direction so i lucked out there but i did have like i didn't have anyone i could ask questions of sure so it was a lot of reading and trying to find people and you may have noticed amy and i are a little bit older than everybody else um <laughs> this is a podcast yes, well yes but just based on like judged by the their way, voices yeah. i don't know well, and you know that this there this wasn't a thing like it was really hard to find yeah. a track to, to theme park design um even when i like was applying yeah, to school this it's, it's only been in the last probably five yeah. years i'd say that it's become a little more mainstream yeah but I mean, this was on the precipice of, like, everything was written down. And I just remember talking to some, um, I don't remember if they were Imagineering or Disney Theatrical Parks Entertainment, um, but at USITT, which is a big theater conference, and yeah. just asking them, like, what do I do to get into this, and what do I need to do differently in scenic design? And that, like, one conversation was really all I had to go with for the next, like, three sure, years sure. of undergrad was just that little bit of advice that they'd given me because my professors, as awesome as they were, they didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. They would just be yeah. like, well, just, I guess, consider what people would see from from different <laughs> points of view. And, like, if you wanted people to walk through the set, like, how would you have to lay things out differently? And Yeah, they're not um, wrong, though, because yeah. I, I, I think I said this, like, I think I probably say this every episode of the podcast, but what is a theme park, if not a big, expensive, blown-out theatrical yep, set. and that's exactly... I mean, that's even how Disneyland was designed, like, yeah. like a film set. So, so it worked. I got, did a lot of research on my own. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. So, um, kind of in that vein, and you already touched on it, both of you did, you two are people that have taken, like, really big leaps and, like, really big career changes recently, and... Uh, I think if you're passionate about something, eventually that, that risk will always pay off 100% of the time. But I'm like, I talk to people all the time, whether they don't live in Orlando or they don't live in LA, they don't live in a themed entertainment hub. They're in, you know, Indiana going to college, mm -hmm. but like they, they are passionate and they know that this is what they want to do. And they're hesitant about taking that next big step where, they know, like, if I really want to be successful, not saying that 
the only way to get in <laughs> is to move. <laughs> Certainly helps. But um, any advice, any insight, any stories you want to share about those, those big leaps and those big changes that you make and how that could apply to someone who's maybe in a similar situation is maybe unhappy with what they're doing and they, they want to pursue their passion. What do you, what, what can you offer in that vein? I should say. Um, I guess just pursuing passion is important. Yeah. You will live your whole life with regrets if you don't take chances. Um, and that's actually something that I used to talk a lot with my students about when they would want to pursue, you know, theater. For sure. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And their parents didn't necessarily want to. And so I actually talked to a lot of parents about, you know, viable career options in theater. Um, and so it just, it became apparent to me that I had to be able to take a risk and that I had to stop doing things for other people. I needed to do something for myself. And yeah. I think, I think one thing to always consider is that it's easier the younger you are, the more established you get in a pattern or in a lifestyle, the harder it is to sure. change. So it was hard to overlook what we were going to leave behind, but it's been so rewarding mm -hmm. that I wish this program had been available earlier. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes it's easy to overlook our own happiness for other people. Mm -hmm. And that is not doing service to us as people. We need to always remember that we have to live with ourselves and our choices and so if you need to pursue something to make yourself happy, you need to go ahead and do it or at least take the risk to try. Right. Because you shouldn't live regretting that you didn't ever take that chance. Yeah. And I, I couldn't imagine essentially like not practicing what you preach, mm -hmm. telling these students like, hey, like you want to make it on Broadway, like, like I'm empowering you, like do it. Like I think that you have what it takes. And then like never doing that yourself, even though right. you know that you're unhappy. Yeah. I, yeah, I could see that really like taking a toll on you. But yeah, you did it. You did here. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's been successful for you. I, obviously, this doesn't like lead to immediate jobs or anything. But yeah, you talk about all the time how you've already met people that, you know, you never thought you were. Like you said, you only had that one conversation with a, a Disney person. And now mm -hmm. like you talk to these people every week. They come into our classes and, and, yeah. and share their insight with us. So for sure. Amy, do you have anything? <laughs> no, not at all. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, just going through my own path in life, you know, I, you know, started out in photography and graphic, then to graphic design, and I did event planning and, you know, then interior design and theme design. Like, you know, you just kind of have to keep working through, you know, what makes you happy and you know pursuing that next goal or then that, that next dream and you know I'm, I'm constantly telling my kids like if they want to get into something then you know start out in a job that relates to it yeah. so they can get a feeling for it and if they like it and if they like it then at least they've started gaining and building that experience towards you know their ultimate goal or their ultimate dream but I would definitely just say keep pursuing it and it's scary to jump careers or you know jump from one thing to the next thing but you have to definitely follow your passion and you have to do what makes you happy yeah and I think there's a lot of hesitation and I talk to people pretty frequently about this when they ask about the program if you're like already working and you're established some people think that that's it but I, I no, think I think you're yeah your case in point of uh, there's always more to learn. 
-hmm. And there's always more experience you can get and like different avenues that you can gain experience from. So that's a good thing to to cover too. Like, no, guys, I, nobody knows everything. <laughs> right? Well, and it's funny because what, you, what you're doing, you may find something else you love within it. Like, I loved scenic design, but by the time I stopped teaching, what I loved was teaching my students scenic design yeah. and seeing them create something and build it. Mm -hmm. And that was where I discovered that I really loved the leadership aspects of it too. So what you're doing can lead and open other doors. You just have to be willing to recognize them and step through them. You don't have to be like, well, my degree was in scenic design, so I have to design sets for the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> so, Yeah, and I, I guess what I've always found is that no matter you know what my background is, it always still pertains mm -hmm. to what I'm doing now. Like with photography, it was composition and balance and you know, with graphic design, it was color and, you know, composition as well. And, you know, making everything flow together and event planning is, you know, space planning and, you know, themes and, you know, creating a space that is immersive still, you know, even though it may be on a smaller scale, but like that all still applies yeah, to what I'm doing now. It's like building a ladder and each yeah. skill is a rung <laughs> on the ladder. And eventually that leads you to where you really <laughs> want to be, even if you didn't know that's where you wanted to go at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, a killer segue into my next question that I wanted to ask both of you, <laughs> because I kind of fall into this bucket too. We're three people who, cause some people like they have like a high school job, maybe they go to college and then they get a job out of college and then they work that job for the rest of their life. I don't know about you guys. I've had like 10 jobs and I'm sure you guys have had even more <laughs> jobs, but I wanted to hear any stories, specific stories about jobs or positions or uh, degree programs that you've been in <laughs> that you can wean experience from and apply to what you're doing now. I can start and give you a second to think about it. That's kind of a complicated question. Um, I've been at AV Tech for like 15 years. Like I've been doing it since I was like 13, 14 years old. And obviously so much of themed entertainment today is technical. And like, I don't want to say we're eliminating practical sets and stuff, but like, you know, you know video is taken over and, and like audio design is taken over. So um and this is a question I ask all the time to people who are involved in like audio design and stuff. It's like, how do I apply my knowledge of working on a four channel analog mixer to, <laughs> you know, my end goal of recording audio for a theme park attraction on a digital 64 channel, like massive uh, audio mixer. And the thing that people always tell me is like, just having that base level of knowledge if for anything that you want to do is is acceptable. Yeah, definitely. And and applicable. <laughs> I'm really moving my arms around today. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? Anything? Yeah, I mean I, I think I'd have to say, you know, my degree in ad PR, I mean, you think theme design and you're like, what the hell is an, an advertising and public relations mm -hmm. degree worth, you know, mm -hmm. like are applicable to that. But, you know, building theme parks, you're dealing with an IP 99% of the time, yeah. all the time. And 
I mean, that degree really helped me in so many different ways, like working with, you know, an IP and understanding why, you know, making that design is so important to them, you know, as it relates to how it, you know, see is seen by the guest as they walk in the door, you know, like, but, you know, every single thing, you know, no matter what background or what experience you have or technical experiences as well, there are so many different aspects to theme design. There's, you know, lighting and special effects and construction and, you know, just so many different little things that it's almost no matter what your background or what your skill, it somehow relates in some way or another mm -hmm. to, to theme design. It's weird. I, like while you were saying that, I was thinking of things that <laughs> I feel like we're in one of the industries, like maybe film too, where like you could do almost anything as a, yeah. I was like, oh man, you could be a chef in themed entertainment. Like there's that job exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like just, you could do so many things and have it relate to themed entertainment. I guess like film is kind of in that same boat too, where like you can kind of do it. Cause like they have like advertising people who advertise the film saying you can advertise like the theme parks and everything. Like, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure that, <laughs> and then I was like truck driver. Like, no, they got truck drivers too, oh. driving the stuff around. <laughs> Driving all this stuff to the site. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's 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 so funny. And I I as I meet new people all the time, I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do that in themed entertainment. Like, I think even sales, like the world of themed entertainment sales, is something that in the past couple of years I've learned so much about. And mm -hmm. it's obviously like so important because like, how is this stuff? getting in the parks, you know, it's yeah. getting sold by salespeople who work for all the vendors and supply essentially these big theme parks with equipment, ride vehicles, media, operations, equipment, Plexiglass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Food. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause I think my, uh, like mental depiction of IAPA was like a theme park convention. I was like, no, it's just a, a sales floor like it's literally a sales floor mm -hmm. and they're they ped peddling products really and services cool stuff yeah exactly <laughs> not just show curtains it's entire yeah. systems but yeah sales i think often overlooked in terms of themed design but lynn did you have a, a story about uh, yeah. redirecting experience yeah so i'm in a theater management class with eugene columbus who is like <laughs> a former exec from disney and the sweetest man in the entire world and he has been talking to us a lot about how to recognize how your past leads to your future. Mm -hmm. um, and in my case specifically, we've been talking about how my classroom management skills <laughs> translate into yeah. management in the theme park industry. Um, and he's not wrong. Like I thought about it. It's, it's just a difference in age. Yeah. Like you're still de dealing with people's egos and people's products and people's designs and how to professionally suggest modifications <laughs> yeah, if anything it's worse um, yeah that's what he told me he's like it'll probably be worse i was like well i guess you're trading ego and hormones right so <laughs> hormones in high schoolers ego in adults but how to get people to collaborate together isn't different it's just a difference in their their age and their mm -hmm. maturity yeah so recognizing how those classroom management and i i have a background in retail management as well how those management skills translate themselves right into this world. It's not like they're not two different things. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, a leader is a leader. Mm -hmm. yeah. If, if you're a truly a good leader, you can be put into any situation and excel mm -hmm. 
So I think like if anyone has any management experience, any leadership experience, because I know people, yeah, who have never worked in the entertainment, they were, you know, unrelated, but they were a manager, they were a leader. And it's like, yeah, it translates so well. Yep. Even And that's why so many people like from like park operations leadership get promoted into universal creative or imagineering. Like that happens all the time just because they have that definable leadership execution experience. And it, it helps too that it relates to the parks that they're going to be working towards. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I liked that. that. That was a good like uh, two question like way it like all wove through really well. And now we're going to take a hard left turn into something a little different. (laughs) (laughs) So a thing that you two are uh, unique in terms of the rest of us about, that's not a sentence, whatever I just said. Something that makes two of you unique compared to the rest of us in this class. Uh, You guys both have kids. Mm -hmm. And obviously so much of themed entertainment and theme parks and everything is, I don't want to say kid oriented, but family oriented. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of times you're doing stuff for kids. So the question I had for both of you is how does being a parent influence your design, your design choices? Cause I know f- like for me, like I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought about like, Oh, how would a kid also enjoy this? But obviously you guys probably have <laughs> stories or direct examples of how that mindset of being a parent affects your design work. Most definitely. Go ahead. Um, so I have two boys, they are 11 and five, and it was not until my oldest was probably two that I realized how like princess and female heavy theme parks are. Mm. Um, because I don't remember them being that way when I was a kid. Like, I think it was that late nineties to early 2000s Disney princess push that pushed the princess IP so heavily into the parks. Um, and it kind of happened without anybody noticing until I was, like I said, my, my oldest was a couple years old and he started being really annoyed that he couldn't (laughs) like find the characters he wanted to meet, that there were specific places he could go to, to meet Cinderella and Jasmine and Princess Fairytale Hall. And it was back then it was back in Toontown. Um, and so now when I design stuff, I look at it from either a gender neutral point of view Mm. or trying to see like, even if it's something that is more, is a female friendly franchise, like Frozen is definitely a more little girl demographic, but looking at something, how is it going to draw in boys too? Like, what do we need to do to make sure that it caters to both gender demographics? Um, And that's been the biggest thing for me. And I didn't grow up a super girly girl. Like Robin Hood was my favorite movie for like my whole life. (laughs) Um, So I guess that plays into it a little bit too. Like Mm. just looking at it through that lens of what, what's missing and how can we fix it? Yeah. So at the same time, like, like I'll go do like the little mermaid ride just mm-hmm. cause I'm like, we a, do that whenever I'm time. a fan, but like a little boy would be like, I don't want to do the girl ride. So like, that's a problem, you know, we do like, it because of scuttle, like scuttle at the beginning <laughs> and the end cracks my kids up. Like Connor, he's my oldest. He could care less at this point. He's just wants to ride like seven doors mind train 15 times. But Logan is only five and he loves scuttle and Sebastian. So I'm glad they are incorporated into that attraction. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's that kind of, it's pulling in those aspects of a franchise that appeal to everybody. Sure. So. For sure. For sure. Amy. 
So my kids are 19, 24, and 26. So a little older, but, you know, we always used to take them to the theme parks all the time when they were growing up. And, um, you know, theme parks were a little different. (laughs) I guess operational-wise, I'm always thinking about where's the bathrooms and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, where can they wash their hands or they're going to want to eat or they're going to, you know, it's a constant list of everything. If you're a parent, you know. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, like, uh, I, you know, can't say which um, project, but, you know, there was a project at one point where there was like a two to three hour queue and there was no bathroom. Uh-huh. And I just kept arguing, like, where are these kids going to go to the bathroom, yeah. you know, three hours later when they're waiting in line? So those are the things that I'm thinking about, you know, like as a parent trying to design something like, you know, how is this going to function for an adult who has to deal with a child <laughs> in, in line for three hours, you know? But um, otherwise that, you know, it was always great, you know, getting their feedback from a ride because it's yeah. raw and it's honest. You know, yeah. <laughs> you go on a ride and you're like, oh, how'd you like that? Or, you know, what'd you not like about it? And they'll flat out tell you. But, um, you know, it's just keeping those little things in mind that, you know, kind of stay with you when you're designing something. I always forget that, like, the impetus of, like, Star Tours and Splash Mountain is Michael Eisner's son. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Dad, these are cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that still applies. Like, showing a design to your kid and be like, I'm sure you do that all the time, oh like, to your, to your boys. I have, I have a five-year-old who brings me designs. Like, he has designed <laughs> full-on theme parks out of Legos and his, like, Jurassic World track with a car that drives on it. So he tells me all the time what he's going to build when he grows up and works in theme parks. So Aww. it's crazy. Some of this stuff is just mind-blowing. I'm like, how are you five? And this is what you came up with. Like, um, Are your kids over it, Amy? Over? Just the whole theme park, theme entertainment thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, they still go to the parks. Okay. But, you know, it, I work on too many confidential things, so I can't really tell them what I oh, do. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're more like, what do you do, mom? (laughs) (laughs) My dad is like that. So he works, he works for a company that does a lot of government, like Uh engineering stuff. So me and my sister thought he was in the CIA for like our whole (laughs) middle school and high school. We were like, we don't know what he does. Must be in the CIA. Yeah. They may think that at this point. (laughs) Mom says she works in theme parks, but really, really, we have no idea. Yeah. That's a pretty good front actually. (laughs) Cool. So. That's kind of all the big stuff that I wanted to talk about tonight. So thanks for hitting the big, the big new topics, I guess you'd call them. I had like, when I started out, there was some umbrella things that I wanted to hit. Like definitely just things that from like going to all these TEA events and all the student things that I'm involved in, people want to know, I'm, I, I work at McDonald's, you know, how do I redirect my experience to this? And there's always something that you can pull. Uh, what else was I talking about? Just kind of ending up here, stumbling into it is what I wrote. And then collaboration was like the other really, really big one that I wanted to hit. So I think like the four big tent pole things I want to talk about, check. Now we can get into some niche stuff, I guess. But I'm glad that I was able to bring in, you know, the people that I work with closely every single week to, to get the ball rolling on this thing. Thanks, you guys, for participating in yeah, it. Thank course. you, Carson. Um, so now I'm going to ask the questions that I ask everybody. Question one, and this is a tongue twister. 
big breath. <laughs> what you wish you knew then that you know now. Lynn. Hmm. I think there's a lot of things. You kind of already answered this yeah. question today. I feel bad. Um, <laughs> honestly, though, I think it would just be to work on as many skills as you can when you have the time to work on them. Sure. Like, I wish in undergrad I'd spent more time on lighting and sound because that's something that I wish at this point that I had more experience with. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, and, and same with like drawing skills. Like we had to take drawing one and drawing two and art one and art two, but I wish I had pushed myself to hone those skills more than I did because now I'm finding that I'm trying to play catch up in some of those. So yeah. I would say just learn as much as you can when you have the ability to do it. Don't take blow off electives because like dance for children yeah um, because you're dance like well, for children. i need three more credits <laughs> I'm, i took dance for children um i took that because i needed an elective and i wish i'd pushed myself to take like drawing three instead right. because it would have been more applicable to what i was doing then regardless of what i was going to be for doing sure now. for sure so i liked dance i liked kids but i could have pushed <laughs> myself more to do something that was going to help me out I think that applies. Yeah. I think that applies to somebody today asked me, it was like, Oh, I'm graduating. Like there's no jobs right now, obviously. Like, what do I do? I I'd apply that answer to that too. Like if you're graduating and there's no work to do maybe for a couple more months, uh, yeah. Start bolstering those skills, learn new skills. Definitely. When there's so many platforms for learning right now that are so affordable because companies are being Mm -hmm. very, very flexible with payment rates and stuff. That if you're sitting at home and you're thinking this might be what I want to do, start looking for them. Like there's courses on LinkedIn Learning. There's courses on Udemy that run on special all the time. There's, I mean, just Adobe tutorials directly yeah. through them. So find something that you want to learn and push yourself to learn it mm-hmm. um, just so that you're honing those skills as you have the time. So. Amy, what you wish you knew then that you know now. I didn't even have to look at the screen that time. But I got it memorized. <laughs> Um, okay. So this is probably for women more than anything. Good. You know, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely negotiating your salary. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it even though everyone hates it, but this do is it. a hard hitter right <laughs> here. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Salary. <laughs> salary is like, you've had this much experience. This is your rate. And so. networking. Definitely try to network as much as possible. Even if you're in the office, I, I can say I'm probably the worst. I will, you know, work and work and work at my desk all the time. And, you know, I have, I'm not trying to be feminist or anything, but male, you know, coworkers who will go mingle and go talk to people and, you know, just network even at work. And, you know, women are just always like, oh, I just got to get all my work done. And, you know, uh, it's making those connections even with people you work with that's really important. Sure. Good answer. That's I like awesome. that. That's obviously no one else has said that. Right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> mind blowing. I love it. Um, cool. So next question. What is your favorite software that you're working with right now? What software do you open it up and then you're excited to start creating in? Um, I really like Vectorworks. Yeah. I used Vectorworks in undergrad and it's come a very, very long way since yeah. the last iteration of uh, 2004 <laughs> that I had in undergrad. Um just the 3D aspects of it are pretty incredible. And yeah. I know it's not widely used in the themed entertainment industry, but I feel like the background in it and how it lays out will be beneficial if I'm not necessarily pursuing a career where that's going to be my job. Mm-hmm. Just having the foundation and knowing how to throw something in and, and create it if I need to 
uh, will help. And it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to play with. So, and Bert is amazing. <laughs> yes. Our, our professor <laughs> is, is fantastic. It, it's, it's a really unique way that the class is set up. I'm sorry, Amy, that you don't know what we're talking about right now. No, are you, I thought you were in it too. <laughs> no, no I had not. talked okay. to Bert previously. But That's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. His like, because it, it's so hard to teach a software, especially online. But the way that he does it is just like so straightforward. And he records his screen the entire time and shows you every little step. And it like helps you learn so fast. Yep. So I'm glad that I've taken the 3D class and the 2D class with him. So I'm now just like VectorWorks master. <laughs> uh, Amy, favorite software? Um, I would say CAD, SketchUp, Lumion, um, you know, Photoshop, InDesign. But um, if you're looking to get into this program, I would definitely recommend working as much as you can in uh, 3D programs like you know, SketchUp or Revit, um, Maya, 3ds Max, just because it, it, as much hesitation as there is within the industry, <laughs> um, it's definitely seems to be where it's heading instead of, you know, working in CAD line art. So sure. Sure. Okay. Next question. What is your favorite project that you've worked on so far? My answer continues to be the imaginations design contest from like literally the first thing that we did <laughs> <laughs> but when um i think i loved my small project studio project last year my coffee truck sure um i don't know i really like coffee so i designed a coffee truck that like drives your neighborhood like an ice cream truck and i still want it to drive down my street every day yeah um so That's i love you love coffee i do really really love coffee everyone every project is coffee yep and i always have a coffee so i love that but i also love what i'm working on right now in our small project studio or not small whatever we're in now immersive experience studio, studio. Immersive oh. experience studio. for the that first time i'm the one that knows right? all the class names um that's a really fun one too so it is fun it's it's i love it yes i love your project thanks um amy uh, I guess I would have to say the project that I'm working on now. Oh, okay. Double it up. Seance room. And then I also have an art installation over at the MFA studio that I'm working on. What class is that? Uh, well, this semester it's an independent because I didn't get to finish it last semester. Oh, <laughs> right. Because you didn't get in there. Yeah. Cause before the, yeah. before the, uh, the cutoff. Yeah. That's, man, there's two things that we didn't get to do last semester that, that, <laughs> Knock the wind out of me. I, I think, again, I've brought that up on every episode. The lobby insulation. Our sad, sad, sad <laughs> year. I think the pieces are still in Nikki's garage. Oh, for real? <laughs> and I just kind of want to just go get them and like, we'll put it together in her yard or something. Just so yeah. Like, well, I wonder there. if they're going to do it. I don't know. This I don't is, know. This A lot is of too them much have graduated. Thinking. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, half our cast is graduated. Yeah, we have to recast it all. Do we really want to revisit this? Yeah, I guess we'll just do an, a new show if they yeah. even do a show at all. But we should, as a group, like we could totally. We'll get. get we'll do and something, Matt, and we could throw it together into like a three D program and put the script yeah. all together. Well, I think we'll do something. Yeah, by, by the time we're done, it, it's portfolio worthy. Yeah. if we can finish it, even if we don't do that, even if we do like something similar, yeah. eventually, I think we'll do it. This was for your year in town. Yeah, right? so yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was our. Oh my God, you weren't in. She wasn't. No. Amy did her own practicum, <laughs> so she she missed out on all the year in town talk. Yeah. 
Oh, I thought you were in there. No. Um, anyway, last question, and then we'll say goodnight here. What is your favorite resource to learn about themed experiences? Lynn. I have a lot of books, and I oh, love a book. I read a lot of theme park books. Mm-hmm. I have a copious collection of them. Um, and then I also just do a lot of like reading up the news. Blue Loop is great if you're yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. quick news articles to see what's happening in the industry. It's a great resource. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, in terms of books, what do you think is like the because I too have a lot of theme park books, but what do you think is the difference between a like fan book and then a book that would actually have information that you would apply? So I used a lot in my classes. So I would say the differentiation between them is there are theme park design books that were designed to be coffee table books. Yeah. And they have really pretty graphics and then like two or three sentences that are like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the concept art for the queue line of Splash Mountain. And uh-huh. if you notice here the color, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, doesn't really give you any information. Um, and then there's other ones that will walk you through the design process in a more concrete way. Like I really like the Disney Imagineering book. Like that's the title of it. The big yeah, blue one. Yeah, there's two of them. There's yeah, there's like two editions. editions I, have, yeah. I have both of those. Yeah, and too. even though they're really pretty to look at, they provide enough information to go yeah. off of. But I also really just like the historical books. Like I have books that go through people and it's like sure, a four-page sure, sure. spread that's just a few pictures of them and then it talks about their career. Yeah. Um, and those are invaluable. And then believe it or not, Alex Wright put together a series of um, – books on each of the Disney theme parks oh, and they're like the going. Imagineering field guides. Uh-huh. They are totally <laughs> written for like middle school and high school. Yeah. But if you look at them, they are incredibly yeah. detailed in what they Insane. present and the way that they present it. Um, if you can find those, they're a great resource and they're very readable no matter how much you know about theme parks themselves. And Some of them m- are like out of print and insanely <laughs> expensive. So, I have all of them. Yeah, I do I'm too. Luckily enough. <laughs> Um, and they're like meant to bring with you yeah, to like the park. Yeah, like they're pocket size. Yeah. Like you could put them in a backpack or in a wallet. They're like the size of a wristlet. Yeah. Um, and just carry them around and they have like little schematics or they'll point out details. Like the Epcot one is awesome because it talks very specifically about pavilion details and where that detail came from in the native land that the yeah. pavilion is designed about. Um, so they're just really interesting to flip through and you'll realize things that you didn't know existed exist so i i think the best thing in those books is when they break down job titles yeah because the big meme that i always get slapped with with people who i guess are like annoyed by getting this question is imagineers that i talk to is what i'm is what i'm saying they're always like yeah people come up and tell me that they want to be the idea guy and it's like no the job doesn't exist i've Mm -hmm. i have heard that (laughs) 400 times yeah. that same story but i yeah. i don't doubt it you know but if you get that book it tells you no it's show writer yep. it's set design or, sh- or show design you know mm-hmm. everything yep. like laid out yeah and it just talks through page. like the little details like color color selection sure. and line and it talks through the design principles in a way that most of the other books don't yeah so favorite resource amy uh Going to IAPA is great because oh, there's yeah. a ton of different vendors and resources and, you know, people you can talk to and you get to check out all the latest, you know, and greatest inventions and ideas and uh, everything like that. But 
Um, and, you know, books are also a great resource. But I guess one of my favorite things to do, and it may sound stupid, but I love going to the park. Sure. <laughs> and, like, standing in line and hearing people make comments or, you know, talk about, you know, I... I don't want to pick on twosome, but uh, <laughs> if you go there in the summertime, it is extremely busy and it's a little chaotic. I think they've fixed it since I've been back, but, um, you know, trying to get your order and then trying to wait for your order and trying to pl- find a place to sit down. But, you know, it's just all those little n- niche places that if you go and just listen to people talk or even in a queue line, they will talk. So I, it's a great resource. <laughs> but then also just walking around the park and looking at it from a design aspect, you know, mm-hmm. like the the flow of traffic and what materials are made of what and how long does it last and, you know, just all those little things that, you know, a guest isn't looking at from their perspective, but you would be from a design perspective. Yeah, definitely. That's- well, that's a great ahead, answer. Like I've, yeah, yeah. I would not have even thought of that. But I mean, that's how nobody else has said it. Right. I'm like, think about it. That's how Walt Disney decided, like, where yeah. to put the trash cans. Was how far will people walk before mm-hmm. they just drop it on the ground? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what observing human behavior? What a mm-hmm. what a great answer for a resource. Yeah, and it is certainly one of the advantages of this program and like living in Orlando is being able to go to the park. Because yeah. like I remember last semester one day, because David and I were both doing like game projects mm-hmm. and we had never done sorcerers of the magic kingdom so we just went and played sorcerers like you just went and did it you know yeah and then like that's like the best because watching a youtube video that's one thing it's probably sufficient but going and doing it yourself gets you the full insight that you need to start creating and working on these projects yeah definitely great that's all i got awesome you guys do great Thanks. i'm happy Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because I don't think that anybody in this class that I've brought on this podcast has done a podcast before. So it's always... I've been on a few. What Disney podcast have you been on? I'm just kidding. Uh, So I've been on the Disney Weddings podcast and a couple other ones. But it's funny because people are like so hesitant. They're like, oh, like podcasts. I don't know about that. But at... Every time. And tonight, again, no exception. You sit in front of that microphone and your brain switches into <laughs> podcast mode mm-hmm. and you have fun and you kill it and you give killer answers like Amy did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So thanks so much, guys, for doing this. I'm, I'm really excited to share because I, I just love working with you guys. You guys are the best. Thanks. Our program is just the coolest. I said this to Peter, our program director the other day. I was like, you're never going to get another class like us. We're like truly lightning mm-hmm. in a bottle in terms of like the way that we gel and mesh mm-hmm. and, and work so well together. I talked to him together. about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was telling him, I was like, eventually we're just going to all start our own company. He's yeah. like, go for it. If anybody <laughs> can do it, it's going to be the, the you guys. Yeah. So. So, and I'm, I'm, I was so excited to have you guys be like the, the first couple episodes of this podcast and because and, you're all so smart and so talented and, and getting everybody's ideas and insight out there to, you know, all the other people that, ask me questions and it's like no you can you don't have to hear from me you can hear from other people too <laughs> and I'm, I'm proud of the accomplishments that we've all made over the past year and i'm super excited for the next two years almost year and a half yeah i'm excited for the next year and a half and what that brings us because 
Crazy time. Yeah, it's, 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 times are crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting, getting into the delirious part. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much again, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Theme Park School, a themed experience educational podcast. Have a question about the podcast or themed experience in general? Be sure to reach out to us at themeparkschoolpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at themeparkschoolpodcast for book recommendations, helpful resources, and more. Theme Park School, a themed experience educational podcast, is not affiliated with any theme park designed from university or trade organization. Views expressed are those of the host and the guests.